Let's pray. Father, thank you for that reminder. Help us, Lord, to renew our kingdom vision. Not forget that we were Michael. Every one of us, we, we get out of our pit and then we forget and then we don't care about the Michaels. Just drive away all that fog in our heads. Stir up our heart of compassion. Make us a church that gets things done, things that matter. Let us really live and manifest your glory. And we love you. Uh, please help me, Holy Spirit, to speak words that are true and helpful. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I think that was just really, really good. Except for the introduction of me, but the rest of it, amazing. Fed's got a sermon or something, whatever. Um, no, I mean, that was just awesome. Really amazing. Clarifying. Why are we alive, folks? A uh, house and a picket fence and 3.2 kids and uh, a pickup truck and a Mercedes in their three-car garage, maybe a Harley over there or something. Um, seriously, why are we alive? We're alive to bring life to others. And uh, whenever we get off track, we... We're like even me last week, I'm kind of dissatisfied. I'm like, man, I'm so busy with ministry. Why am I not happy? We got a new ministry house opened up. I got all these guys who want to be discipled. Lars created a st studio. He wants me to go and get this book done. We're almost done with this book. It's like all these great things happening. Why am I not? Why am I not juiced? And Joe just reminded me because you even. You know, I'm supposed to be, you know, the Exodus 34, 6 thing. That's my message. It's like, I forget it. If you want to feel alive, lay your life down for somebody. Not for what you're going to get, not for a mansion in heaven, not to earn anything. Just go out and love somebody because they need to be loved. Um, that's living. So anyway, that was a great reminder. That was really wonderful. And uh, yeah, I think Joe's turning into quite a good communicator. So good job. Um, I'm going to be running with Mark. That's what we're doing. We're kind of opening the Bible. And some days, don't be surprised if I jump off the rails and I don't stick with Mark because that's just what I do. But uh, the other guy, it's going to be me every other week. And then, you know, people in the church that are God's trying to develop their teaching wings. We're, we're giving them a shot. So every other week, someone else is going to be teaching out of Mark. But this week, I'm going to be looking at Mark 2. Um, Joe kind of gave you a review. You even shared one of the pictures up top there. The one down here is one of the most special moments of my life, and I might get emotional. That is Annie. When I just, she saw my face through her door. She ran out, fell on the ground, weeping, praising God, hugging me because she should be dead. And now her 12 children are not orphans, and um, and you don't want to be an orphan in Africa. If you're a girl, you're going to be a prostitute. If you're a boy, you're going to be a criminal um, or die in the street or whatever. And I just was totally overwhelmed by that response. 
but I thought, wow, we just have to be sensitive to the spirit and kind of stand in the right place at the right time. And then the lightning hits. Like we didn't make the lightning. We just like, where do you want me to stand, God? No, little to the left, little to the left, little, you know? And then this whole family is like, and then they think you're really something special. And, you know, it's like in the book of Acts, I'm just thinking of when they wanted to worship, you know, the, the apostles are like, dude, this isn't us. You know, we're just standing in the right place at the right time. And that's how God works in this world. Um, so it was a really special moment. Um, yeah. And then up top is, and then, and then of course that that's us when we met Michael. Um, and then over here, that of course, that's why we went all this other stuff was just sprinkles on the cupcake. We went for the wedding. But when you go on these trips, um, sometimes, I don't want to say anything was more amazing than the wedding, but when you go on these trips, it's usually the unplanned things that are the mind-blowing things. And there's a lot more than this that happened, but yeah, things happened in New York. Things happened the whole way. Things happened. It was fun to watch things happen in Joe, just like watch God just working him over, tenderizing his heart. Um, yeah, so it was just it was a wonderful trip. So I'm going to start my sermon by telling you of another experience that happened over there. Uh, this is a church that I was speaking in. And yeah, Lord, help me to be humble and uh, help our hearts to be open. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In Africa, everybody's into revival and miracles and casting out demons and especially God making you rich. Um, that's the big thing. But nobody is rich except some of the pastors that are shaking down all the poor people. And so it's all flowing to them. And then they can get their Mercedes because they're telling the poor people, if you give, you're going to get rich. But then the poor people never get rich. Only the pastors get rich. But they think that's somehow related to revival. And they think healings are related to revival and casting out demons are related to revival. And in their minds, that's kind of revival. It's you got rich and healed up and uh, demons are flying. You know, that's revival. So this is just common all the way from, I've been in pretty much every East African country from Ethiopia down to South Africa. Um, and it's the same, same thing. So this church is it's in the name, Revival. And I said, hey, I, I got the key for you guys. They, they, they weren't having a revival. It was obvious to me watching them worship. You can tell when a human is revived by the way they worship. So if you, I don't, I don't need to do a little sermon here, but people whose lives have been utterly transformed and they're really set free from their sin and their shame and their insanity and their guilt and their destructive lifestyle and they're really free, those are the folks that are raising their hands and tears are streaming down their face and they'll get on their knees and they'll sometimes sing a little too loud and right, it's just, you can tell. So. I was watching this church from the beginning, and I could tell these, these people are going through the motions. And it's like, okay, raise the hands and clap. You know, and you can, the same with how people sing. Yeah, I'm so glad that Jesus set me free. I'm so glad that Jesus set me free. Oh, time's I'm so glad that Jesus set me free. Glory, hallelujah, Jesus set me free. Raise your holy hands, Jesus, I'm free. Raise your holy hands. Like, it was kind of like that. I was like, they don't have that. Oh, just, oh, I got a river of life. 
like there's something funky going on here. And uh, but I preach the same sermon all over Africa because I have a key for you as well. Because revival doesn't have to hit a room. Everybody in this room could pass, but if you want it, I think you can have it right now today. You want you want revival. You want you want a, a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit, joy, heavens open, all this stuff. Um, it's usually right there for the taking. And so I said, okay, here's the key. And I said, um, this room, and you said, how, how could you assume this? I've just been going long enough. I know this is the case. This room is full of gross, horrible sin. I said, it's to any African congregation that isn't experiencing revival. I mean, rape. Murder, incest, witchcraft, men beating their wives. I mean, just like go across the, it, it just, I didn't believe it at first either. And some of the churches were trying to fool me. Uh, and, it, and a lot of times it goes from the leadership all the way down to the congregation. There's serious sin. And I use the story of Joshua where God says, everywhere you set the sole of your foot, you're going to take it. No one's going to be able to stand before you. Victory after victory after victory. And then the second battle, this little podunk town of I or AI, kill a bunch of his men and, and uh, Joshua's blubbering and crying and you know falls on the ground. And what? All your promises, they're not working. Like so many Christians, God doesn't answer my prayers and nothing works. And God just goes, get up. Get up. You know how this works, dude. There's sin in the camp. Clean it up and everything's going to work again. So I, was, I just told the church, you know, you're, you're not experiencing joy and freedom and deliverance and answered all, this, all the things that we yearn for. You're not having revival. It, it is just sin. And I knew God was speaking to people. I could tell people were paying attention, and they're on the edge of their seats. And I'm like, oh, we're going to do an altar call, and people are going to come forward, and Joe's going to see a really awesome move of the Spirit. And you know, and, and I said, all right, let's do this thing. And I challenged them, and nobody budged. And I was like, whoa, that was weird. Um, I, hopefully, all of you guys who want to preach are going to be blessed with that experience someday, giving an altar call, and nobody budge. And so I tried, and I tried to push harder and get them to move, and they wouldn't. And someone might say, well, that's probably because you made some horrible assumptions, and these people were all flawless, blameless, just Jesus-loving, innocent people, just like us here, right, in Manhattan, Kansas. There's not a sinner in the room. Ted, that was your fault for making those assumptions. Well, I knew that wasn't true. And I said, this is why so much of Africa is not experiencing true revival in spite of all the talk and all the hype and all the jumping around and the big claims. And then uh, it was awkward, was it not? It was awkward. So then I said, well, uh, I did what I was supposed to do. And then we went and ate lunch, which, praise the Lord. Thank you, God, for that lunch. Um, it was an African lunch, and the, the meat can be a little tough. And uh, but anyway, but they they gave us, they, you know, it's 
So uh, we're eating lunch and uh, knock, knock, knock. Um, there's someone that wants to talk to you outside. And uh, I go outside and, oh, pastor, my feet were nailed to the ground. I knew God wanted me to come forward and I was just afraid to. And this is what's going on and that's what's going on. And I'm bound by sin. And all right, let's pray. And da 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 da. da. And I said, well, I need to connect you to Michaela and Alan. And okay, go back to my lunch and knock, knock, knock. And I don't know if I want to blow somebody's cover, but this is like a pretty important person within the church. I'm in sin and I'm in bondage and I should have gone forward and I was afraid and blah, 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 blah. And okay. And this is what you ought to do. And da, 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 da. And this is a young lady and you should talk to Michaela and let's pray. And yeah, you got to get over this and go back to my lunch. And guess what happened? Knock, knock, knock. I should have gone forward and I'm under conviction and I was afraid to go forward. And I said, well, it's kind of with negative things and sins, whether it's an individual or a church. If you see a cockroach, you guys are into construction. If you see a couple cockroaches in the kitchen, uh, what's going on in the walls? They're everywhere, right? So the fact that I'm getting this string of people is telling me this is infecting the church. And then on the way home, our driver, sweetest guy in the world, sweet guy. I hope we have a lot of dealings with him in the future. But just you would never guess in a million years. Oh, I was so convicted. I should have gone forward and I just didn't. I don't know why. I was afraid, blah, blah, blah. And he tells me this tale that it was so mind blowing that I had to get his permission to tell Joe of the stuff he's been wrapped up in in the last several years, which involves a witchcraft, a murder attempt on his life, false accusations, going to prison. like, And he's just this really sweet guy who just, he's recently got married, has this, you know, real super cute little kids. You'd never guessed in a million years. Um, I'm telling you that because what's true in Africa is true here, and what's true for a group is true for an individual, and there's some people in the church that are free, and there's some people in even this church who aren't free, uh, and it really comes down to the same thing. So with that, we can jump into our passage. So uh, Capernaum, uh, Capernaum is like home base for Jesus, and so he'd come back to Capernaum several days afterwards. It was heard that he was home, and many were gathered together so that there was no longer room, not even near the door. He was speaking the word to them. They came bringing him a paralytic carried by four men being unable to get to him because of the crowd. They removed the roof above him, and when they had dug an opening, they let down a pallet on which the paralytic was laying. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Maybe I'll just stop there and I'll jump. We'll get to the rest of the text here in a minute. Oh, uh, we can all see the problem, can't we? What's the problem? What's the problem? What's the obvious problem to everybody in the room? Really, that's obvious to everybody in the room. What's your problem? 
Is your problem that you're crazy? Is your problem that you're sick? Is your problem that you have financial chaos? Is your problem that you don't have any friends or you don't know how to have a, a decent relationship with anyone? Are you getting one failed romantic relationship after another? Or is your problem that you have some sin addiction that you can't whip, right? The problem seems obvious, which is the dude can't move, right? He can't move. That's the problem. No, that's not the problem. Neither is your financial woes or your relational problems or oftentimes even your physical sickness and almost always you're crazy. That's not the problem. So here, take these crazy meds and it'll fix everything. No, because that's not the problem. Here, win the lottery and that will fix everything. No, step, go online and see what happens to people who win the lottery. They usually end up 10 times worth, worse off in about five years than they were before they won the lottery. The problem is oftentimes not the problem. What we think is the problem is just a symptom. So in Africa, you have poverty and mayhem and tribal warfare and like the stuff in the Congo and insurrections and rebellion and political upheaval and, and rampant diseases like the, the, the whatever, I don't even know who the health department is. They kept keep texting me because there was an Ebola outbreak. And they're like, look, if anybody contacts you, you need to pay attention and get back with us. And they pulled us aside at the airport. And they're like, there's an Ebola outbreak. And you, you know, diseases just wash over Africa. And there's AIDS orphans everywhere. Is AIDS the problem? Is Ebola the problem? Is poverty the problem? Is just that they don't have enough political education? Is that why they keep having insurrections? Is that the problem? So what's the problem? Okay, let's see. Da, 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 da. They, some friends say, oh, he's paralyzed. Let's bring him to Jesus. So when we go to our prayer group, a lot of times, what's, what's your problem? Oh, financial problems. That's my problem. Okay, let's pray for your finances. Or I have a sick body or I'm nuts. I'm suicidal. I'm depressed. I'm anxious. I have voices in my head. Oh, let's pray. God, we just pray those voices would go away. It's not working. I wonder what's going on. Now, God, I just pray you'd bless this person's finances. Man, we keep praying. It's just like a non-starter. Didn't he promise to supply all our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus? It's not working. So anyway, what does Jesus do? The real problem was Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. And what's interesting, it's almost like everybody would have been perfectly happy to leave it there. This is unique among almost all the accounts of healing. It's really, it is unique. It's in all three Gospels, so you get slightly different details, but it, the, the story is generally the same. Like if you ask Joe and I about our trip to Africa, you'll get different details from Joe and me, but the stories are going to, you know, they're going to overlap on the, the main details. But it's almost like he said, oh, man, maybe I'm thinking, how could this guy got paralyzed? Um, maybe he caught a disease. Maybe he was a thief. And... Uh, he got beat down. Someone caught him and beat him senseless with a stick, and then he, he's paralyzed, right? Um, who knows? Who knows what happened? But obviously, this guy didn't think his main problem was his the problem that everybody else thought was a problem. And Jesus said, oh, I know what you need. You're forgiven. And I think guys just like, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, guys, you can pull me back up. We're good. Because a problem, a real problem is sin. Africa's problem is not the need more money or the need more education. Neither is America's problem or neither is your problem. Um, you, you don't need to go get a degree in psychology. That's what a lot of crazy people think they need. That's why most 
a lot of your counselors are crazy because they thought their problem was they needed to learn more about psychology. Um, person who has a problem with money doesn't need to go learn about finances and a per we don't need to learn about the, our synapses and why, you know, what, what, what chemicals are firing when we're going to our addictions. Um, that's not focusing on the right place. We need, we need to figure out where we're sinning. So that's what Jesus did. Uh, and everybody said, what in the world are you doing? That's offensive. Yeah, this is a, it, sometimes we have guests and, and people regularly get offended by what I say. Um, and, but so did you guys. Let me, see, let me see your hands. How many of you guys got offended by something you heard from the pulpit at one point or another? Oh, good, almost everybody. But again, I, I can usually show you. Guys, I didn't say this, did I? I? I didn't come up with this it's sin thing. That's not me. But that's Jesus. So you can kill the messenger and say, I love Jesus. I just, I just hate Matt because Matt's just so hard on everybody. I think Jesus is really, right? It's like, no, he, he's quoting Jesus. And so that's what I'm doing here. And that's, so people are like, what are you doing? What do you think you're doing? What do you, just deal with the thing and just like, no, the, the thing is sin. Um, what is sin? Sin is at the heart of most of our problems. Even a lot of our physical illnesses. Not all. I'm not saying all. And I would say at least nine out of ten of our psychological disorders, not all, you know, to say like, hey, so-and-so shot himself in the head with a, with a, with a uh, nail gun and his personality changed. Okay, I don't think that was a sin issue. I think something got up there and messed with the mechanics. So you, there's some, you know, there's some, pot, but usually if you talk to someone who's depressed, you talk to someone who's suicidal, you talk to someone with voices in the head, you can track things back to some big open sin door. What is sin? So you want your issues solved. Make sure you have done a thorough house cleaning. God can't bless you. And in many respects, won't bless you even with promises, just bold promises that, I mean, so, so obvious, you know, you can drive a Mack truck through, I mean, there's just, you can't miss them. Peace that passes comprehension, providing for all your needs, uh, guiding your paths, all this kind of stuff. He's not going to fulfill those promises because scripture says, if I treasure sin in my heart, if I know I have sin in my heart, Psalm 66, he's not going to hear me. What is sin? Simple, simple definition. Here we go. Ready? This is this is for all your theologians. 25 cent word, guys who love big long word here. Saying no to God. That's it. The spirit is saying, stop sleeping with your girlfriend. No. Don't cheat on your taxes. No. Right? Uh, go to this church instead of that church. Uh-uh. Stop hanging out with those friends. No, not gonna do it. Stop lying to get out of trouble. No, I'm going to keep lying, right? It's just like, that's all it is. Just saying no to God on things that are obvious. And people are like, well, you know, God's will is really mysterious, and we really can't discern and know. Yeah, the, the stuff, the, the main stuff is really obvious, really obvious. Um, so your dad didn't throw the ball around with you and 
divorced your mom and and uh, you have this hole in your heart, et cetera, et cetera. That's a huge thing. One of the most crippling things in life. God says, forgive. Um, and you say, no, no, I'm not going to do it. Some of you, it's even worse. You were physically abused, emotionally abused, sexually abused. God says, forgive. No, not, no, just not going to. Um, when you get saved, God wants you to get away from certain friends. Get away from these friends. No, I'm they, I'm comfortable. These are lifetime. I'm going to witness to them, God. God, you'll change your mind once you see how effectively I would. No, it's just saying no on a hundred different counts. Stop lying. Stop being lazy. You know, just, anyway. So, uh, and on the obvious stuff, everybody knows what it is. I've been, I've been listening to a lot of C.S. Lewis. I think C.S. Lewis is one of the most brilliant human beings that ever walked the planet. I was listening to a guy named Francis Collins, who is the head of the Genome Project, who's clearly one of the colossal intellects of our generation. The first chapter of his book is just telling how C.S. Lewis put him in a hammer lock and forced him to believe in God because he's so brilliant. That was what, so I was like, oh, I already heard all this. I know C.S. Lewis. Um, so I'm going to get on to the next chapters and hear what this guy has to say. C.S. Lewis is like, everybody knows the moral law. When your philosophy tells you that, oh, yeah, Bango Bango Island and in India and, uh, you know, this tribe in South Africa, the morals are just wildly different. Oh, so I can go take that guy's wife? Oh, so I can hit this guy over the head and, and you know, take his coconuts and that's okay with the tribe? You know, it's, it's, not, it's, it's really the same. It's, it's the moral law is the same across the board. And that's one of the most convincing uh, uh, arguments for the existence of God. That human beings, no matter where they were born, they come up with a very, very similar moral code. It, it gets tweaked like we're kind of, like Paul says, we're seeing through a glass darkly. And we, you know, we, it's not perfect everywhere, but it looks like it all came from the same thing. Hmm, kind of like, don't murder people for no good reason. Uh, don't have uh, sexually immoral relationships with other people. Don't take things that don't belong to you. Don't lie to people about what happened so that you can get an advantage. Wow, that sounds like the Ten Commandments. It's almost like it's been kind of, well, that's what Paul says in Romans chapter 1. They know the righteous ordinances or standards of God, that those who do such things as in violate them are worthy of death. But the world and we not only continue to do the very things, you know, dishonor God. You have to read the chapter and understand why I worded it this way. We continue to violate God's standards, and then we approve those uh, who, vi who violate those standards. But we all know what's right and wrong. We all know that we're violating God's standards. If you want to have God moving in your life, stop saying no to God. So, well, I'm born again, and I'm covered by the blood. Well, maybe you are. Maybe you're going to heaven, but you're still shutting down all his blessings. A uh, passage that's really clear on this in the New Testament is um, when Peter tells husbands, husbands, deal with your wives in an understanding way and honor her because she is a fellow heir of the grace of life. For all the inheritance that you get spiritually, she gets. So treat her as an equal heir in the kingdom of heaven so your prayers are not hindered. He doesn't say so your salvation is taken away. He says if you're violating loving your spouse in the way that you know you should, uh, and you're not, there's another, God tells a prophet, he says, look, God says, you don't listen to me, I don't listen to you. So you can plead the promises all day long. You can rebuke the devil. You can say, God will supply all my needs. You can claim the fullness of the Holy Spirit. You're not getting any of it because God says, 
to experience the blessing and the flow, even after you're born again, you have to get in the habit of saying yes to God. That's called surrender. And you can't have even the slightest little thing. You can't even have the slightest little thing in your dark closet that you're lying about to other people or everything shuts down. So God wants to lavish all the good stuff on you. God wants to lavish all the good stuff on our African brothers and sisters. Uh, there's some people in this church that are swimming in it and they're having a lot of fun. And then there's some people like, why doesn't God like me? He does like you. He likes you very, very much. And he wants to heap all the good stuff on you, but you are not listening. And so anyway, I told this African church that and they didn't want to respond. And so I guess, well, what am I doing here? I'm poking you guys. Are you surrendered? Are you living in a life of complete yieldedness to the will of God as you understand it? And you're only responsible for what you can see. The Bible says if we walk in the light, that means are you walking in what God has shown you? It says if we walk in the light, as he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Those of us who are more mature, and have been, you know, I've been, I've been walking with the Lord for 30 years. Some of you guys have been walking with the Lord for 30 days, right? I can see things in your life that I know are wrong, but God hasn't chosen to reveal that to you yet. But what he has revealed to you, you're taking care of. And as long as I'm saying yes to God and you're saying yes to God, we're fine. We're on good terms and we're growing and we're moving. You know, So God's not expecting the same thing from someone who's been in the Lord for 30 years as someone who's been in the Lord for six months. He just expects a yes, right? So, you know, Tim and Melissa have kids of different ages. They have different expectations of those kids. But what they do expect for peace and harmony in the home is a yes. That's what God expects from us if we want to be revived, if we want blessing. And so many Christians are holding out. And if you look at the great revivalist in history that really brought the power of the Spirit, they said what's always holding God back in church is just a bunch of people saying no. And we can come with all the excuses we want to, but if we're not experiencing the fullness of life, it's simply because we're saying no to God. So with this paralytic, the problem's not the problem. Your money's not the problem. Your finding your path isn't the problem. Your finding your dream spouse isn't the problem. And God's not just a meanie pants, you know, who's holding out on you, right? It, no, he said, look, I want to bless you. You're saying no to me, which is the off switch. It's the off switch. And in this church, I think we got a lot of people who say yes, and that's why we see super cool things. That's why God does answer our prayers. I, man, just some of the things that happened in Africa, I can't, I feel like sometimes I can't even talk to other friends in ministry because God is doing so much in our midst because we do have a bunch of people saying yes, yes, yes to God. Um, it, it's really weird unique and crazy the stuff that happens in this church um and you don't feel like no it's just our church it, it's just it's pretty unique and so i want to be there and, and the reason it happens because we have enough people saying yes to god so let's see our real problem is often or usually our sin uh it it's often at the root of our diseases do you remember what jesus told the blind guy in the book of john Go your way and stop sinning so that something worse doesn't happen to you. Um, our psychological problems 
anxiety, depression, our psychoses, voices in the head, etc. Deal with your sin issues and just watch how it all clears up like the sun rising, right? And I know as a former crazy, amen, hallelujah. It's like, well, don't, no, no, it's, mine's different. Well, have you really ransacked and cleaned house and you make sure that you're yielded to God? Our addictions, those are rooted in sin. I'm addicted to gaming. Why are you addicted to gaming? Because you're depressed, because you don't like yourself, because you don't like the real world. Why are you addicted to pornography? I'm not going to look at anybody. I catch somebody's eyes. No, I'm not talking about anybody. Why are you addicted to food? Why are you addicted? Because there's some problem that you've not dealt with. Deal with the problem and watch the bondage break in your life. Our financial chaos or our poverty so often is our sin and our foolishness. Our empty, unfulfilling lives. Not finding our dream career. Our bad relationships. Man, it's like right now, who is willing to walk in sexual purity before marriage in the entire nation? It's like, I mean, Bible-believing churches, pastors and their wives are just like, oh, you know how it is. It's just hard and nobody's really can do it. It's a nice standard, whatever. No, it's a, it's a rebellion. Our unanswered prayers. Yeah, I mean, Joe, yeah, yeah, Joe, God likes Joe, but God doesn't answer my prayers. No, God likes you just as much as he likes Joe. And if you will obey, and yeah, sometimes it hurts. Sometimes there are tears. Sometimes it feels like he's pulling something out by the roots. Um, but if we're willing to say yes, guess what? You're going to have some stories yourself. All right, this is interesting too. Everybody wants that fullness of the Holy Spirit, that power for ministry, right? We want that supercharged like D.L. Moody or Charles Finney. And God's like, hey, how about you think about a career change? What are you crazy? And then we argue and we call our Christian friends who will affirm us and, and argue us back into financial security. And, and then we wonder why we're not getting the touch of the Holy Spirit on our lives. Or we're dating somebody and they're kind of half-baked and they hinder our spiritual lives. And God's like, hey, put it on the altar, walk away. What are you nuts? I'll never find anybody. And then we wonder why. God's like, hey, yeah, that promise is for you. But are you all mine? Are you all in? This was interesting too. I just thought about sometimes our ineffectiveness in evangelism is is not, is just that not only are people afraid to deal with sin themselves, but when you're sharing the gospel, you're afraid to tell people that that's what their problem is. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Pray this magic prayer. Dear Jesus, dear Jesus, I want to go to magic pony land when I die. I want to go to a magic pony land when I die. Fill me with joy and peace and good feelings and inner fireworks and all that good stuff. And and um, and I believe you died on the cross my sins and rose again from the dead. Amen. Uh, you're saved. Isn't that great? You're saved. It's like, no, um, that's not the gospel. The gospel is you are a walking blasphemy, rebellion, hatred, defiance of a holy God, and you're his enemy. But he made peace through the cross of Christ. Jesus died for you to pay for your rebellion. You have to, you have to start with the sickness. That, 
And a lot of people aren't even preaching the gospel. They're just like, I want to go to magic pony land. I don't want to go to hell. I want to, so, okay, we'll pray this little sinner's prayer, which isn't in the Bible anyway. Um, instead of saying, no, your problem is you're a sinner and you need a savior. And then when he saves you, you need to wake up every morning and say, reporting for duty, sir, what are my, you know, objectives for the day? What, what, do, you, what do you have on tap for me? That's why we take our time with the Lord in the morning. I want to hear from you. So a lot of times our evangelism doesn't work because we're not even preaching the gospel, which is sa- we're supposed to be saving people from sin through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus so that they can be filled with the Holy Spirit and actually do what God's asking them to do. Because, yeah, all this is impossible. You're like, you don't understand how hard it is. I'm, you know, guys with their sex addiction and girls with their food addiction. It's impossible. Or, or us with our psychological. It's impossible. Yes, it's all impossible. But if we surrender it, he fills us with the Holy Spirit. The power that raised Jesus from the dead, we can do anything. Um, let's see here. Top debilitating sins, just to for your, you know, you're thinking, hey, I'm hung up. My prayer life isn't working. I don't have inner peace and joy. I don't feel like heaven, the heavens are open above me. Let's run through these real quick. Just as a pastor, bitterness, unforgiveness, hatred, um, but there's another kind of bitterness that it's a little trickier, and it's just you just consign people to oblivion. I don't think actively hateful thoughts about this person. They just don't exist in my world. That's a that's a form of hatred. Uh, you want nothing to do. You we need to be able to bless everyone, even that person that came to mind when I said that. Look up at the ceiling. That person who sexually abused you. That spouse who cheated on you. That person who physically abused you. That friend that ruined you. That business partner that tanked your career. Whatever it is. That college professor that that railroaded you from your goal of going here or there. That coach, whoever comes to mind. You don't just forgive, say, God, I forgive them. You say, God, I pray blessing on them. Well, that's impossible. Yep, it's impossible until you are born again, decide to do it, and the Holy Spirit gives you the ability to do it. Bitterness, sexual sin. Right now, it's being who I am. It's expressing myself. I was born that way, right? No, it's it's there, there's a way God wants us to conduct ourselves, and if you're not willing to do it, he's not listening to you. Well, it's impossible. Nobody can control themselves. Once again, yes, you can. If you're surrendered and you're allowing the Holy Spirit to fill your life. Love of money, greed, also often called financial security. Yeah, if, if I was in another church, I might have hymnals thrown at me at this point. Because we think financial security is in the, in the Sermon on the Mount or something. Um, no, we call it financial security, but it's putting our hope, our security, building our life around a big, fat nest egg. And we don't need God at all. Um, we need to be at the place where everything in our lives, including our money, is up on the altar. And at a moment's notice, just like Joe was saying, God can say, I want it all. And we say, yes, sir. And for those who actually get to that point and they're willing to do that, God says, thank you very much. I was just trying to get that out of the way so I could really dump the blessings on you. Most people won't. They're like Gollum, you know, in the Lord of the Rings. They're like, my brother, you know? With this little tiny scrawny little 
whatever 401k or whatever they think they have or their equity in their house. Right. And God's like, no, please, every day, just have an open heart, open hands. I'll only take things out because I want to promote you. I want to give you more. I want to bless you. I want to take you somewhere that that's hindering you from going. But I came to give you the fullness of life. Fear of people. Oh, man. Well, I call it maintaining relationships. I don't want to break the relationship with my parents because then they'll never come to Christ. So that's why I'm going to that dead liberal church that doesn't preach the gospel with them on Sundays. And that's why I'm not going to get married to this fired up Christian guy that wants to be a missionary because they don't approve of him or a woman or whatever. Um, no, it's called fear of man. And God says, look, my opinion compared to anyone else's opinion in the universe is the difference between love and hate. You can love them, but they have no influence in your life anymore. There's only one voice that matters. Lying deception. Yeah. That's just making others think things are other than they are. This church is pretty good about being honest. And I've also found that's the only way to be free. And you don't get over it, and then you get to hide it. There's like, like Tina's going to come and she's going to say, look, I was sexually abused as a teen year. I was pimped out by my stepfather. I had an abortion at 13 years of age. She's going to tell you all this stuff when she comes. Um, and it's why she's free. Like, look, that's all in the past. I want you to think that um, I was raised in a happy Christian home with loving parents. And that's called a lie. So in the Bible, they don't cover stuff up. Paul's like, look, I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, a violent aggressor. I was breathing, breathing threats and murder. I was a professional Christian hunter. Um, the David doesn't get to, can we just leave that Bathsheba thing out of the Bible? You know, or Abraham. I know I gave my wife to the, you know, to the uh, uh, Pharaoh and he could have raped her. The stupidest move in my life. But I was scared. Seriously, this is all in the Bible. Like, man, God really uses sinful people. I can't believe you're saying these. Yeah, just like us. So we have to be honest about who we are, where we've been, what we've been through, and then we can be free. But what happens in our churches is people come in and they start hiding and they start lying and they start acting holier than thou and like they can't. And so the Holy Spirit's like, look, I'm a spirit of truth. I'm not a spirit of lies. I'm, I'm out of here. But th there's other spirits that will come in and fill the gap now if you guys want to lie. So we got to stop lying, hiding, acting like we're something we're not. That's hope. That's one of the good things about the CD groups. We just, bah, this is what I did. Messed up, screwed up. You know, I, you know, I don't want to, yeah, I'll, I'll just leave that alone. I mean, it just happened this week. If you guys were at prayer, someone went forward and went, bah, that's what happened to me. And we all said, come here. And we gave him a hug and said, get back up on your feet and run. Stop lying. You're never going to have God's blessing in your life if you're not coming clean. Sloth. Yeah, that entertainment addiction, that gaming addiction. I'm not going to look at anybody. It's just pandemic right now with young men. Oh, no. Food addiction. I'm not going to look at anybody, right? These, these are sins, and we have to deal with them, and we have to stop it. And they're hindering our relationship with God. And this is not legalism because sin destroys things and sin destroys you. And the only thing God asks you not to do are the things that will wreck you. And he wants to replace them with things that will bless you. Laziness. Not taking care of my business. 
not getting up, not going to work, not paying my bills. Pride, I'm better than. And ultimately, the ultimate pride is I'm better than God. My opinion is better than God. Every time you say no to God, that's what you're saying. God says, let the marriage be undefiled, let the, you know, let let marriage be held in honor by all. Uh, no fornication, no adultery. And no, my opinion's better. God says homosexuality is a sin. No, it's not. You're just old-fashioned, God. You know, God says don't cheat, don't lie, don't hide. No, no, I'm smarter than you. So the ultimate pride is every time we say no to God. And do that, you just, it's going to log jam the whole flow. Okay. All right, I, I've gone, I've hit the main point. This is also a wonderful passage because all through the, the, the Gospels, there's this implicit Jesus is God theme. And so Jesus, I'm trying to think, there's some pretty overt sections where it says he's God, but usually he's letting people figure it out for themselves. So they say, who can for, forgive sins but God alone? And then it says, Jesus knew what they were thinking in their hearts. Now, if somebody thought I was God and I knew what they were thinking in their hearts, what should my first response be to them? I'm not God. Which is exactly what the apostles do in the book of Acts. They say, oh, you know, I, I can't remember, was it Paul and Silas? They're worshiping, and, and, and then in the, the there's a couple places where people are, oh, they can do miracles, there must be God. No, I'm not. So Jesus knows what they're thinking. He doesn't say, I'm not God. He says, very good. You scribes and Pharisees, you might be hard-headed, but you, you, know, you can put two and two together. He doesn't say he's not God. Um, so this is one of those places where he says, okay, I'm going to prove to you that I'm God. You have deduced that God is the only one who can pronounce forgiveness for sin. You have then decided that I am making a claim to be God. And then he says, what is easier to do to say the words to someone your sins are forgiven? What's going to be more convincing to you to say to this guy you're forgiven or to say, pick up your palate and walk? And so he says, I'm going to do the lesser thing to prove to you that I am God and I have the ability to forgive all sins. So I'm kind of doing a turbo here because I got a little distracted. But that's what he's doing here. He does the lesser to prove the greater because the real problem, the lesser as in the healing, isn't the big deal, but he proves that he is God and he has the ability to forgive by doing the lesser miracle. And God is, he delights in doing the lesser things for us. But you need to understand that your financial deliverance and your dream spouse and your dream whatever career and freedom from the voices in your head or your depression, that's the lesser thing. And the bigger thing is his pronouncement of forgiveness of your life. And that's what he wants to do. But he will not kick the doors down. He's not going to kick the doors down. So like with the Africans, I said, look, you want to be free? You want to be revived? You want the heavens opened over you? Where are you saying no to God? It happens to all of us. And it probably doesn't happen to Ted and Susan anymore because they've been walking with the Lord. For... No, it happens pretty much every day where I'm confronted with a yes or a no. And sometimes I'm kind of like a stubborn kid. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want And finally, I'm like, what am I doing? I'm an idiot. You know, what's life without his grace and his blessing. Um, 
And so I say, forgive me. I'm sorry. I surrender. I submit. I'll text the person. I'll make the phone call. I'll apologize to Susan. Um, and then the heavens are open again. He's going to hear my prayers. And he's going to give me the power of the Spirit when it's time to minister. And I can claim the promises of provision and everything that we want and we need from God, his presence, his fellowship. Um, it's all available to us. But we we need to make that choice. So let's see here. Oh, this is another great verse. It's just Jesus was called a friend of sinners. And so basically the people that get it, he's going around collecting them. Prostitutes. Yeah, follow me. Yeah, you guys are terrible, terrible sinners. I just want to forgive you and I want to get you on a life path. And, oh, tax collectors, you guys are the worst. Follow me. I'll forgive you. Um, that's another lie in the church is that God wants you just the way you are, as in to stay just the way you are. No, he wants you just the way you are, just like the hospital wants you just the way you are. The hospital wants Michael just the way he is so they can get the tumor out of his head so he can live a happy, productive life, right? God wants you just the way you are so he can remove these sin issues that are debilitating you and keep you from the blessing of God so that you can live a happy... He doesn't say to the prostitute, come just as you are and then go turn a few tricks and then I'll see you for dinner. You're like, that's blasphemous. Ah, it's terrible. Yeah, it's terrible. It's stupid. It's foolish. He wants us to change, renounce be revolted at our sin because it's destructive so that we can be blessed and a source of blessing to others. So I hope, I know for a fact, God's putting his finger on some of your issues. Um, and uh, we know each other well enough here. I don't, you know, I'm not going to do an altar call or anything like that. But um. I, and what, what is going to happen is that I'm going to be surprised at who's going to talk to me. It's going to be some of the best and the brightest and the, the most advanced uh, Christians or the people that have their life together the most. Like, God put his finger on this and I got to deal with it. We'll deal with it and deal with it in the community and deal with it with people who love you. And don't say, oh, me and Jesus will go settle this. It's not going to work. It says, confess your sins to one another, pray for each other that you may be healed. But all those things we went over, bitterness, pride, lying, all that stuff. What is, what is hindering open heaven over you? Why would you even walk out the door today without saying, let's hammer this thing, let's hammer this thing, let's hammer this thing? Uh, I will give one more example, and then we'll call it a day. And I don't think this is going to embarrass the person because... Nobody knows who they are except me. Somebody texted me and no, they anyway. Uh, how, how should I phrase this? Someone was struggling spiritually in a very deep way. And um, I just told them, go back to the last thing God said very clearly to you. Our life is kind of like a path, path through a forest, easy to get lost. If you're lost in the forest, where did you get off that path? God says, hey, Go right, go straight, 20 paces, take a left, take a right, keep going, you know, go over that bridge, walk through that bog, you know, whatever. Uh, at some point, you're like, nope, I'm good, I'm taking off. And then we're lost and we're crying and we're moaning and we're saying, oh, God, where are you? It's like, where's the, what was the last thing he said to you? Was it break up? Was it quit the job? Was it forgive this person? Was it start getting up in the morning? Was it join a CD group? Was it wh whatever it was? Just go back to it. Um, and if you do, I think usually what you're going to find is immediate kickstart, jumpstart on the spiritual life. Just go back to that place that you got off the path. 
God loves you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to do all those lesser things. He loves healing bodies and blessing us financially and giving us the wonder spouse and the kids and all. He loves all that stuff and he loves healing, but none of it, uh, none of it flows like he wants it to flow. If we have that, you know, that defiant, no. So anyway, what's the real problem? Let's deal with it so we can continue to be blessed. So, Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. I thank you for that very strange account in all three synoptic Gospels where a paralytic really doesn't seem to care that he's paralyzed. He knows his problem is deeper, but you took care of both. Um, and I just pray for us. Let us be a holy people. Let us be a people that have a right uh, because of what Jesus has done, but also that practical daily holiness that you require of us to just have that flow um, of your blessing in our lives. And I pray anybody here, Lord, who is feeling convicted, they won't shake it off. They won't come up with some fifth rate way to deal with it. Your word is very clear. Um, we reach out for help in the body and we restore each other. But I just pray, God, that, uh, yeah, we continue just to walk in your blessing. We thank you for all the good that you've done for us. And we just pray you continue to use us. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.